Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Cyber Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller, and as you already figured out, it's a pro wrestling show. Two things I got to make you aware of before we begin. An apology to start with. I know we didn't do the Twitch stream on the 25th of June. That's the Thursday when this is going up. But honestly, I've been trying to film videos all day, and it, I know it sounds like a wuss. But it is so hot in the UK, there is no way I could have sat under these lights for an hour. I would have just collapsed and died. And nobody wants that. So I'm going to try and aim to do it on the 26th. If you're listening to this on day one, we will see how it goes. But I did use that time to make a bunch of content for the YouTube channel. Search for Simon Miller. So hopefully that makes up for it. And uh, now I can't even remember what the second thing I was going to tell you is. So, oh, that's it. I've got a fan in the background. So if you are listening going, man, that's really annoying. Again, I apologize, but I will die. I'm so hot. I'm hot when it's like negative 10. So when it's like 42, I can't handle it. Anyway, you know the deal. Uh, if you haven't heard if you haven't heard this before, make sure you hit the subscribe button. There's a bunch of exclusive episodes that always go up. And sort of this time of the week, the Thursday part of the week, is when I reach out to my patrons, patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316, and I get one on. Because you don't get the best conversation you can have is talking to someone that you know likes wrestling, because you've established that, but you have no idea what their takes are going to be. So if you'd like to come on the show, make sure you check that out. And today, making his debut, which always excites me as well, is my man Emmanuel. Emmanuel, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, didn't really think of this as a debut, but I didn't have like entrance music ready. Right? <laughs> dude, I got pyro <laughs> in my house. In my house, there's just fireworks going off. It's a big deal, dude. You're getting uh, you're getting a big pop. So uh, let's just uh, we've got loads we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the speaking out movement. We're going to talk about the COVID nineteen stuff because to ignore it would be absolutely baffling. That's what's happening in the world or the wrestling world right now. But before we get there, man, just give me sort of the headlines about your yeah about your wrestling fandom. How did it start? and uh, how long you loved it all that nonsense yeah and um, so i currently live in the uk and um, before that i moved here for university in 2013 before that obviously i grew up um in nigeria where i was born oh wow man yeah um so i was born into a family where my mom and my uncles were crazy about wrestling this is great already i love this straight away <laughs> so i vaguely remember you know being three four years old singing the rock's entrance team um, sitting with my uncle, <laughs> that, um, struggling to do the eyebrow, all of that good stuff. And then I got a little brother after, and he was a crazy wrestling fan, and we just kind of kicked off from there. Um, in Nigeria, we used to get wrestling, I think. We used to get, so the clip shows, so Afterburn and Bottom Line for SmackDown and Raw, we used to get those on Saturdays. Um, so I remember us waking up early about 8 a.m. and just going back to back, catching up on what's going on. Um, that week um so yeah it just kind of led me into what we call the ruthless aggression era just now um obviously became a big john cena guy um watched all true obviously had a break like everyone who comes on this podcast has uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true i think i actually had two so i had one first when i went to boarding school just because you know um, not everyone's into wrestling it's like oh that's the nerd that like wrestling yeah you kind of you know cover up a little bit uh, but came back into it and then when i got to university it was just like i just wasn't enjoying the product that much i just kind of fell out of it and then mm-hmm. um 2017 uh my brother came over here uh, he was actually a bit ill so he came over for some treatment and stuff and you know we hadn't spent so much time together for a while so we just got into watching wrestling again and yeah, we dragged our dad into it. And, you know, from there, I've not really looked back, kind of got into the dirt sheets and things like that. So, yeah, just, you know, full on now, um, AEW, WWE, everything. Uh, That's a fascinating story, man, because for, for multiple reasons. One, everybody has their own story, uh, well, not their own story, but their own take on how they were able to watch wrestling. Because obviously, if you're in America, it was just thrown into your face. Yeah. Over here in the UK, we had to wait like a week before we were allowed to watch it. And you're getting clip shows. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's, it, 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 that blows my brain. And the fact that you came back to it twice, I always say, if you come back to it, 
It's when you find the dirt sheets when you become a fan for life because you're like, oh my gosh, this stuff is. Im- How is this stuff real? Yeah, it's 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 amazing. And like, I think yes. Yeah, so you mentioned that. So even in Nigeria, we had like a delay because I remember waking up in primary school, watching Sky Sports News, which we got somehow back home, um, and hearing Eddie Guerrero passed. And I thought, oh, what's going on there? Because he was scheduled for a match on SmackDown, the episode I just watched. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. So it was just like, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's always just kind of been a great story. And when you get into the dirt sheets, like understanding, you know, baby face, heel, a punch, <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, my God. So this is why I like John Cena a lot. He just won. <laughs> <laughs> that is true though like i again it's it's almost cliche now but the stories behind the scenes for a good while were more interesting than what we were seeing in front of the camera yeah you know that's what i, I would check that every day of course i'd still watch uh raw and smackdown but i was far more yeah far more interested in like i say going to whichever you know there was loads of websites everyone's got their chosen one and every day there would be something new and as soon as that sinks its claws into you i, I think that's it you know you're there for life yeah, absolutely yeah, right. So talking about more topical stuff, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it is unfortunate. I don't want any of this stuff to be happening. Uh, we mentioned it on the podcast on Tuesday, but the uh, the speaking out music, the hashtag speaking out movement continues to continues to roll forward uh, just for the sake of legality. Obviously, it's all allegations at this point. Nobody has been convicted, but there's, you know, there's no smoke without fire. I think it would be ridiculous and it would be naive and ignorant to pretend there isn't a serious problem running through the, the wrestling industry. Aside from my kind of wrestling friends, Emmanuel, this is the first time I've talked to somebody uh, I, I'm not neutral. I'm not saying my friends aren't neutral, but I kind of know their you know their state of play on things. How have you taken this news? Because really, I'm not trying to downplay it. When you look at wrestling in 2020, it's kind of been a dumpster fire. Honestly. It's just it's just been bad news after bad news, and I completely understand some people not wanting to watch. I completely get that. So yeah, how have you kind of dealt with the last week or so? So it's. I mean, you're probably looking at the last three months, right? So since. COVID-19, you know, it's just been different things going on. Um, obviously, being from Nigeria, I'm black. We've had that whole thing going on. Yeah. Hearing about this as well this week, it's just been like, is, you know, um, I think one of the guys on What Culture said it, like, you know, was watching wrestling as some sort of escape. Um, it's kind of one of the few bits of my normal routine that's kind of stayed true in, you know, lockdown in the UK and stuff. And then, you hear about all these things going on behind the scenes, you know, the allegations. Um, I think this morning I saw, you know, a tweet from Keith Lee um, of one of his experiences. And you're like, this industry is just, uh, for lack of a better term, is quite rotten. Yeah. And it's just No, I, I think you're right. Like, I'm not trying to equate any experience that I've had to, to what has gone on. But, you know, we talked about the dirt sheets. I remember when I started to get into that world, reading about some of the backstage shenanigans, you know, throughout the Attitude Era or whatever. And I I would say to my mates at the time, oh, my dream is to be a wrestler. But there is no way I would survive in that kind of environment. I'm too much of, I'm a baby, like deep down. I'm a big wuss. And, you know, with that kind of hazing and bullying and harassment, I would would crack. I would crack so fast. So to hear about it going on at it's sort of you know multiple levels of the chain not only in the big companies but sort of right down to the independents too i think it rotten is the best word it just is you know these things shouldn't be happening in any walk of life especially not in something like wrestling well, it should be happening anywhere but the thing that always gets me with wrestling is this in an industry that's all about trust yeah. like it's all about trust like, the whole point is you put yourself in in the ring with somebody else and even if you don't know them you trust them to be professional enough to take care of you and that should be the same out of the ring as well so when it's not you're like well we've just broken what wrestling is then what are we even doing yeah it's it's just it's just baffling and sometimes i kind of and i probably shouldn't do this but sometimes i kind of think to myself like is this my fault for being into the dirt sheets because think of someone who just watches raw and smackdown you're kind of absolved from all of this um but it's just, I don't know. I don't know how that culture kind of changes or anything. You know, even, yeah, I mean, you've got the stuff with Sammy Guevara as well on AEW. And you're like, it's just, yeah, it's just very, it just kind of weighs me down a lot. Um, just generally, to be honest. Yeah, I think weighing down is the best way to put it. I know what you mean. <clears throat> I get what, excuse me, I get what you mean about the getting into the dirt sheets thing as well. It, it's this awful thing where, you know, of course, we should be able to do that. And it's a source of entertainment. But there is this 
sort of corner, this, you know, of the room where people just take it way too seriously. And, you know, Dave Meltzer is the name that everybody uses and he gets, you know, shade thrown on him. Sometimes rightfully so, because he does say silly things. But I mean, in general, where it's just like, oh, this is, uh, it's just, it's just too much. And it does become so negative and the culture is just, is just not what it wants to be. But I suppose the silver lining is hopefully this will be where it all changes, right? Where everything just shifts around and we can move away from this and get rid of the rot and actually have a system that protects these people. And when you want to go have a wrestling match, you want to go get trained to be a wrestler. You, you don't have to fear for your, your well-being, which is even crazy for me to say out loud. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, just in general, you know, with these types of things, you just want everyone to sort of treat each other with respect. Um, it sounds yeah. corny, but... You know, some people will say, oh, you're being corny and too idealistic. But that's all you kind of want. You know, treat someone else with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And, yeah. You know, we can kind of move forward. And um, fingers crossed, you know, I guess this is should be, hopefully is kind of the penny drop moment for the industry, like you're saying. And, you know, people put measures in place between all the promotions and things like that. Um, just to kind of stop this kind of thing and kind of stamp it out. Hmm. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I hope it happens across the board. You know, you mentioned all the, uh, the the Black Lives Matter stuff. You know, that's something that we should absolutely, you know, we should jump on that and make sure there's parity there. Yep. We should do it with all the sexual harassment stuff. And then moving on to our third topic, because wrestling <laughs> burns to the ground. <laughs> Obviously, there is a lot of rumors flying. By the time you've heard this, people in podcast land, the information may be out there. I did a check before we started to record. The rumor going around at the moment is that Basically, COVID-19 has decimated the WWE locker room. Like it sounds, and I get, I get it, right? It's uh, speculation and speculation will always be driven up and, and made over the top because that, it's more interesting. However, a lot of people are saying this stuff. Uh, we already know about that. Well, if you haven't known, I should give you the news. Obviously, Renee Young uh, was diagnosed with it. She's been really sick, apparently. That meant John Moxley got it, so he couldn't turn up to Dynamite. Uh, Kayla Braxton said that she's got it. Uh, there was a couple of other people from WWE. But the rumor going around is it could be 20-plus people, which has also de delayed... You know, they're meant to be filming today, I think, but at the moment, nothing is happening. I don't know what that means for SmackDown tomorrow. I don't know what it means for Raw next week or NXT or whatever. But it's just... I th the problem is this. AEW and UFC are the ones I'm going to use as an example. Because they have been testing before each taping, you're kind of like, well, that's just the world we live in. But then when it came out, the WWE hasn't been testing at all and didn't seem to like they were a massive fan of the masks. That's when you start getting a bit like, well, what did you think was going to happen? And that's what blows my brain. Honestly, like when I found out that this was kind of the first time WWE was doing kind of full round testing, I just couldn't believe my ears. Yeah. You know, um, his tapings have been going on for what three months ages now and you think about the implications you know um roman reigns although he left was kind of in there for a bit um becky lynch was in there pregnant like yeah this is just people risking their lives for the company that's frankly being irresponsible um mm. it's just yeah, when I was hearing, I mean, the stuff about Renee Young, I started thinking, right, she had a segment with AJ Styles on SmackDown, so he's at risk. You know, you start kind of putting one and two together. AJ Styles had a match with Matt Riddle. You know, it's just, it's it's baffling. Like, um, it's why, you know, I kind of have the respect for guys like Kevin Owens who just went, right, I can't do this. And, yeah. No, totally. You mentioned Roman Reigns is such a great person to bring up because, you know, you mentioned the uh, the bad part of the uh, the Internet. I so many of these assholes and I block every single one and I see them moaning. I can't believe Simon Miller blocked me. I block every single one. Say, oh, Roman, what a coward, what a worse, didn't want to come to work. And you're like, man, you asshole, you absolute son of a bitch, because now. He has been proven right. Like during this whole thing, he's had uh, twin babies, I believe. Plus, obviously, he's got everything with his leukemia. I don't know how that ties in, but I, I'm sure it's a factor. So for him to want to protect his family and himself just, uh, just by not wrestling, you're like, come on, man. And that, and when you have a breakout like this, same with Sami Zayn and um, Carl O'Reilly, of course, who has diabetes. It's like, yes, these people stayed away. Because right now, the last thing, look, if, I tell you, man, if anybody, well, I, it sucks that so many people have died already. But if anybody in wrestling dies because of people being irresponsible, you know, like what if Ric Flair, I know this has been being over the top. It's, I, don't, I doubt it will happen. But what if Ric Flair got it and passed away? I honestly believe 
that may change my entire life because I don't know how I'd watch WWE anymore. It would take me a good few months to actually process that. So all you had to do was test people. Why weren't you testing people? It's just, it's 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 just baffling, you know. The fact that Ric Flair is on TV, first of all, is already a problem. <laughs> um, you know, I watched those those the time I was watching AEW and you know Jake the Snake was on. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> it's like you need to be more responsible. Like Jake was caught in promos from his house, which were probably like really great and getting Lance Archer over. Why do we need him? And the fact that he came in and the first thing he did was whatever it was with Brandy Rhodes and the snake. And it's like, this was pointless. Um, so it's just, it's just worrying to see how this whole thing has happened. But like you said, when you think about it, you're like, what did WWE expect? That's, that's the question. I can't, I, I was just trying to come up with an answer. I don't have one. It's, I think it comes down to this. We did a podcast about this last week. Vince McMahon just occasionally doesn't, or maybe ever doesn't live in the real world. He just, he lives in his bubble world. He does things by his rules and he assumes that everything's going to be okay. But this is not okay. And I understand that people are bored of talking about it, but it's because it's a massive deal. That's why we have to chat about it. You can't just put your head in the sand because that's what a WWE did. They put their heads in the sand and now a bunch of people have got COVID-19. And I would rather that nobody had the coronavirus ever. And I'd like it to go away, even though that's not going to happen. I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe something breaks when we're doing this and we can uh, we can talk about it. Do you think the shows continue? It sounds like AEW is pretty much okay. I think they've got one or two, but it's not. there's no rumors of a, of a breakout like there is in WWE. Do you think they, I mean, they probably will try and carry on as normal, but do you think it's actually going to be possible? Yeah, I think it's so. I think with WWE, it's always a case of escalation, right? So if they can ride this out and, you know, it calms down and that's the end of it. But if, say, you know, after this case of 24, they do a few shows and then, you know, there's a report again that there's another larger outbreak, then, you know, they'd have to kind of stop. Personally, I'd say hold off for a week, put some network content on, um, you know, for a couple of weeks understand kind of test everyone you can and kind of just start again that's why i say but mm. obviously I, i'm not vince and so so it'll be interesting to see but i just really hope like you know everyone comes out of it okay because we've talked about kevin owens roman reigns these are kind of for lack of a better term top guys you know uh, oh yeah no disrespect to some of the other guys but you know um there's certain people that i don't think would have been able to step away they're just probably just there just kind of worried for their lives you know uh, oh man totally it's just it's just it's just it's just a mess because people are talking <laughs> about opening up the world that you know everyone's been good with lockdown and then wwe is just getting started <laughs> i don't i honestly i don't get wwe i remember when they were uh were kind of plowing on to begin with and uh you know all my all the all my friends that know that i like wrestling but don't watch wrestling themselves. Well, like, how? How is how is this a thing? I was like, I can't answer it. Somehow WWE was able to make themselves an essential business. They just have this weird way of making, of never stopping. But I agree with you. I don't mind having a few weeks, a month of, I know WWE backstage just got canceled, but just give me that for a while. That's entertaining enough. I can enjoy that. You can put on old Raws. You can do some, some retro content. I mean, yeah, ratings will go through the floor, but it's not like, people won't understand what's going on of course they'll understand what's going on like the world the world has absolutely changed and i get that there's contracts involved but you know who's going to be the bad guy if wwe comes out and says oh we're not allowed to stop taping because the usa network won't let us nobody there's all the shade is going to fall on the usa network and they'll change their mind they just will because it will be it will be too pressurized but i can't quite believe it's got to this level i really can't honestly it absolutely should not have um but yeah, like I don't even think the ratings would go down personally. Cause what was it? Those old WrestleManias on Fox were drawing big numbers. Um, you know, so imagine, you know, they just dedicated Raw to, you know, it'll never happen, but say the Rock and Stone Cold's rivalry. I'd watch that. Yeah. You know, so it's just yeah. 
We'll see what happens. Nah, you're right, man. It's true. It's uh, like I say, 2020 will not be remembered fondly when it comes to pro wrestling. But hopefully out the other side of this, we actually start testing people. We protect them. You know, we find equality for all and we stop sexually harassing people. That's the most ridiculous sentence I'll ever say in my life. It should never have to be said. And yet that's what I want more than anything right now when it comes to uh, when it comes to wrestling. Let's talk about more things uh, up to date and things that actually are, are more neutral than that. Uh, AEW obviously is a week away from Fighter Fest. They had their go home show yesterday as we're recording. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty decent. I I don't think it was one of their best shows when I sort of finished it. Actually, no, I lie. I did finish it going, oh my gosh, I love this because I thought everything between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho was so good. But overall, I just thought it ticked the boxes. It was easy to watch. Uh, a couple of random matches came out of nowhere, but I'm just understanding that's what happens in wrestling now. Uh, don't uh, Not only sort of where AEW are right now, man, but how have you found the evolution of AEW as a company too? Yeah, so, so AEW has been quite strong obviously like i said i grew up a full-on wwe guy um we got tna impact uh, for a bit but then i kind of fell out of that with aew i was always like you know it's one of it's always been one of those we'll see how this goes um obviously them signing jericho um after i'd seen what he'd done with or heard of what he'd done with omega in new japan kind of raised my eyebrows and i said okay um and you know kind of started watching bits in aew um you know, was it all all in when um, Stephen Amell was on there? Obviously, I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. So I was like, okay, I have to watch this. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And, you know, I started watching the AEW shows. And then we got to Dynamite. And that first episode where, you know, the inner circle forms, I'm like, okay. Because I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, okay, this seems very interesting. Because, you know, Jericho is a big deal. I'm seeing Hager and... We're based on his MMA stuff, I was like, okay, let's see what happens there. Um, Santana and Ortiz, my brother has been crazy about them since they were... Ah, I love that. Um, so he always used to watch Impact, so he told me about this tag team. I think they were called LAX back then. So he always told me about this, these kind of crazy matches they had with the Lucha Brothers. And both of them rocked up at AEW, so I said, okay. Um, so things like that, and, you know, Sammy Guevara as well, you know, from I think the very first match on Dynamite was him against um, Cody. And, you know, just kind of seeing that form and kind of, again, almost with dirt sheet eyes, seeing all the story possibilities of like, okay, we're going to have these guys as the dominant guys. We've got the elite to kind of feud with them. And, you know, we've got that story in the back pocket for when they eventually turn on Jericho. It's like, okay, they're really building something here. And, you know, some of the pay-per-view builds were just absolutely incredible. Um, And, you know, it's just been really good. The only kind of issue I've had or have had with AW is the fact that, you know, at the start, I think they made too many promises. Um, and that's kind of come back to bite them a bit. Um, you know, the UK deal with ITV. <laughs> that was bad, right? That didn't work. I don't, what happened to that? It just fell off a cliff. That was horrendous. Yeah. It was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get live wrestling on Freeview in the UK. And then it just never happened. So. No, it's so, I mean, they're so bad. It really should be being talked about more. But I think everybody is so confused. Everyone's just going, well, let's not talk about it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like seeing how they booked their stories and stuff. And I think it's kind of, it was kind of a fresh feeling, you know, because when I came into WWE you know, as a kid, it'd been going on for ages. And, you know, you kind of roughly follow on, you know, everyone's entrance music and things like that. And I was kind of learning about all these guys as we kind of went along. It's like, oh, Orange Cassidy. And I was like, I think I was like a few weeks ago, I was explaining Orange Cassidy to someone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he just can't be arsed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why I like him. And it's like, okay. <laughs> because, um, so yeah, just seeing all these guys kind of come through and, you know, uh, me kind of sitting on my couch watching Dynamite and eventually kind of knowing people's entrance themes and, you know, singing along to Judas with Chris Jericho and things like that. And it's like, okay, I've actually become a fan of this product. And so, yeah, they've absolutely smashed it. And the Wednesday Night Wars are, you know, some of the best stuff we've had. Um, obviously, it's slowed down since life has slowed down. But um, before that, you know, they were both companies kind of really firing on all cylinders, kind of really pushing themselves, you know, um, booking good feuds, inventive feuds, um, just kind of reminding you some of the old school stuff that you've not seen for a while. You know, the mm. the Cody Wardlow 
cage match. And it's like, right, I've forgotten. You know, I've been conditioned to start expecting screwy stuff when I see a cage match. Because what was the one Shane McMahon won by kind of falling out of his shirt or something? <laughs> yes, I love. I don't like stuff like that, but I secretly do because it's just so bad. It's just like, okay, well, let's just go with it. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then, like, I, you know, I was struggling to think of the last time I saw a cage match where it kind of ended with a pinfall. You know, it was all about escaping the cage. I was thinking about yeah. Kingston, Dolph Ziggler, and things like that. So it was just really kind of good to see things have gravitas and understand that, you know, also kind of simple thing, like you can have a clean finish and have your angle after. I never realized that in years of watching wrestling because I always kind of, my WWE brain was always one or the other. So either they go with the angle and it's a non-contest or whatever, um, or you have a clean finish and that's it. But, you know, you'd have AEW, someone would win clean and then, you know, you'd have the run in or whatever is going to happen. So it just kind of been nice to kind of see that um, and kind of, again, get exposed to so many different styles and, you know, see some of see some of um, these guys in different lights. So like seeing um, Neville as Pack and things like that. So it's just, yeah, been a great product all around. Such a, an interesting way to to look at the whole how a different wrestling company puts on shows. Because obviously I, I watched... Um, well, not only did I watch WCW, but I saw a lot of other, we'll call them territories, whatever the hell the correct term is. And, you know, it was, you know, it was through all of that and WWE in a different era where I can kind of see the the differences between then and now. And I, I think a lot of us forget because a lot of wrestling fans, old school wrestling fans, get into this idea of that everyone's been watching wrestling for the last 30 years. Like, it's not true, man. And I think it's so fascinating to find out that, you know, the way that AEW is treating stuff breaks your wwe thinking because again that's all you've ever known right that's 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 your type of wrestling why yeah. would you ever think you just assume that's what wrestling companies do and that's why i think AEW is so important i know the rhetoric of oh it's not a competition it definitely is a competition based on something we're going to talk about in a second but that aside it's that's why it's an integral thing to it, it's an alternative right it's an option plus it's bringing back a lot of these old school stuff that yeah like you say fans and and wrestlers alike had forgotten about that actually do make you enjoy the product more or at least give you um something else a different way to look at it i like that you mentioned the chris jericho song as well i was thinking about this earlier like i've i heard that judah song by fozzy long before he used it as his entrance theme and I was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's okay. And now ever since he started using it uh, on the show, I think it's great. That's another work of art by Chris Jericho. I downloaded it. I listened to it. I'm like, man, he's completely worked me with that one. He has completely worked me with it. But it goes to show it's because it's now ingrained uh, ingrained in my brain. What are you most looking forward to at Fighter Fest? Because uh, when they announced the eight-man tag match between FDR, the Young Bucks, the Butcher and the Blade, and uh, the, um, the Lucha, whatever the hell, the Lucha Brothers, I was like, okay, this could be ridiculous. Like, I, I know some people don't like that kind of style because it'll be all go, go, go. But I was a little bit excited. I was like, this could actually be wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I think that match would be insane. Um, I, don't, I don't actually quite know what I'm looking forward to the most. I think I'm just kind of intrigued about a lot of things. I'm intrigued by Cody Rhodes taking on, uh, is he called Cody Rhodes? Cody taking on Jake Hager. Because it's like, is this going to be Stardust and Jack Swagger? What are we going to get? Is it going to be, you know, shoot, shoot amateur wrestling? Um, but I hated like, the fact that in the build to that, you know, Cody's doing this open challenge, but he's got a pay-per-view opponent lined up. So it's just like, <laughs> right, it's, gonna, you know, it's like, you know, it's a bit ass backwards, but, you know, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm kind of really intrigued by that. I was intrigued by um, Moxley against Brian Cage because I think Taz has put that over quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, you know, I mean, in my head, Cage loses, but how do you kind of protect him um, without making Moxley look weak? Mm. So I'm kind of interested in that. And FTR joining has just kind of also been a breath of fresh air. Like that eight-man tag, like look at that tag division they've got at AEW. It's the total antithesis to what they've got at WWE in that division. It's just, Oh, yeah. It's insane. I, if I was Tony Khan, I'd be booking the tournament. Honestly, because there's just so much talent. It's unbelievable. Even like, a, uh, call them a lesser team, but, you know, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian and stuff are putting on good matches. You got Omega and Paige, the best friends. You got so many great teams. Um, and it's like, 
yeah, it's just tag team wrestling can be quite fun. I was, I was listening to, so yeah, I'm a big wrestling music buff. Uh, so I got, I got a few, I got dumbbells finally in this lockdown. So I was nice man. There. Um, and I was listening to Proud and Powerful's music. And I was like, it's been a while since I've seen them in a match. I wouldn't, I, I miss them together, to be honest. Uh, and it's like, again, that's another tag team. And it's just like, the AEW roster is stacked just beyond beyond belief. Um, but of course, I think, yeah, um, Cassidy, Jericho, like the possibilities in that match are almost endless, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that everything Chris Jericho did on uh, on Dynamite, was it was so good. It, it, it completely explained the character while never ever breaking, you know, the the fourth wall. It was just, it was just amazing. Like for all the criticism that Orange Cassidy has got, why would he kick somebody like that? Why would he do this? Why would he do that? Chris Jericho summed it all up. You know, compared him to a joke, compared him to being, you know, I guess a little bit of a wind up merchant. Uh, but then as soon as you piss him off, you know, you, you unleash this beast, and we got all of that in this incredible ten minute segment. I, I thought, I honestly. I could find nothing to criticize about that. If your goal was to establish these people's characters while also getting fans excited about a kind of a main event for a like a pseudo pay-per-view, I think you absolutely smashed it. And Chris Jericho's dedication to try and get other people over while keeping himself feeling like a megastar is fantastic. Again, it's much like a Brian Cage, John Moxley situation. You need to figure a way out of that match where everyone comes out smelling of roses. But... AEW hasn't let me down in that respect so far. I do think sometimes they're a bit, you know, they play a bit fast and loose with the rules <laughs> and referees ignoring a lot. I think that's probably something they do need to, like, because on Dynamite last night, the referee was just being spun around in every match. It's like, come on, one of these has to be a DQ, but it's not a massive deal, really. Like, I, I, it's not something that I sort of think about all the time. But yeah, they are very good. So, like, you know, the Brody Lee John Moxley match at the last pay per view. Brody Lee just lost. He lost in a devastating way. Like he got his ass kicked and he, you know, he proved to be a warrior, but it hasn't affected him at all. Maybe a little bit strange that he was so happy just to walk away and, and focus on other things, but he had a story waiting for him. Yeah. And I think that's the key. If he hadn't have had a story waiting for him, I would have been like, oh, well, this, this isn't that great. But he did. He had, it was all waiting for him, all ready to go. And I tell you, I really like the, uh, the Colt Cabana storyline. I do. I'm massively intrigued to see where it goes. And a small part of me wants him to join. And I don't know why. Yeah, so I, um, disclaimer, I haven't finished watching Dynamite from last night. Um, I watched NXT first for once. Um, but yeah, so Cabana's storyline has been, so initially I was like, what are they doing here? You know, not everyone can join the Dark Order. But I kind of, <laughs> that's true i've kind of come around on it and it's like oh okay this guy who is all intents and purposes kind of the internet baby face yeah um and he's kind of fallen on hard times and you know when you do you you kind of act out of character sometimes so i can understand why he'll join them i don't want him to because i just feel like that would ruin him so i guess that i am invested because if i didn't care i'd just say meh meh but, you know, the fact that I actually had that response when he was at the pay-per-view, when he went into the room with Brody Lee's name on it, I was like, no. So, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's just like, so I am more invested than I thought. And it's like, um, wasn't it last week? The Dark Order recruited the girl that had the vignette. I forgot her name. But uh, Anna Jay. Yeah, um, her. I actually like that angle a lot because she got the vignette. <laughs> kind of speak she got the spotlight and everything and then um got squashed and, you know, and then the dark order come out and get her in and it's like okay this is what this should be you know yeah exactly it's a recruitment drive right and you, you prey on the uh, the vulnerable on the weak exactly don't know i no. somehow also worked myself into some sort of shoot that i expect eric rowan to show up in there one day but well, <laughs> you never you never know man i think eric rowan is so well liked that pe even though it's a little bit oh we're just doing what wwe did i think we get over that quite fast yeah. I, I i've never heard a bad word said about eric rowan i think everybody just thinks he's an underused guy that got screwed over with that stupid spider angle right like that's the uh that's basically what happened i i wouldn't mind that at all i would like it um but no, i i agree with you in in all of that i just it, it's it's just it's a bit like wwe way back when in the sense that everybody has a story there's a reason to you know not tune out 
because as soon as somebody else is on the screen, you think to yourself, oh, yeah, that's happening. What's going to happen? Oh, yeah. There's a... And that, you know, that that's just a really, really, really good way to do it. And I, and again, it goes to show that if you do put somebody in a match with a John Moxley or whatever, and everything is good to go, as soon as they lose that match, people do move on from, well, well that was pointless. We've ruined him and so on and so forth. Brody Lee doesn't feel ruined to me. Brody Lee right now feels like he's on an interesting path to... Yeah, you know, make his group more badass or whatever the hell the, the the end game will be. And I like that. I like that a lot. I know you said that you were sort of worried about Colt Cabana joining. Again, if he joined for me, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I I, I would not be massively against it. I think it would be an inch. I don't know how it would work for his character because, like you say, it doesn't massively tie in. But I like the um, I like the bait. You know, I, I like this whole idea of he, he, he wants to win. Like he actually does care, and that's how they've kind of um, they've kind of suckered him in. Yeah, it's good. It's just, right? Yeah, it's just simple storytelling, and I, I get that a lot. People are going, "AEW is so obvious." I'm like, "Is that a problem?" <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a it's a problem. Like if I read a Shakespeare book, I know, you know, it's not like he ever had any surprise endings. They were mostly kind of all the same, really. But they were well told and they were well executed. So it's like, yeah, that's fine. So don't, you know, don't worry about it. Never swerve just for the sake of swerving. No, never. That's Vince Russo all over, and we don't need uh, we don't we don't need that guy doing anything. Um, I guess something that we should talk about. Obviously, it's Fighter Fest next week. Yeah, and then WWE. We'll talk about NXT because obviously you mentioned it. WWE came out to say that uh, very, very coincidentally, they are going to be having the Great American Bash on Wednesday, and even more coincidentally, it will be a two-week affair. I mean, what were the odds, right? Who saw? Who saw that coming? I mean, it's a little bit on the nose, <laughs> but more power to them. They just don't even care anymore. They're like, nah, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, you, you can kiss our ass. What do you make of it, though, man? It's a bit ridiculous, right? Because there's oh, yeah. no, no build, no promotion. Nope, nope nothing. It's, it is I, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm one of the people who feel like, so NXT have been fighting for these ratings, and I think that's kind of ruined, um, ruined the booking. You know, you look at look back between now and say October when I think that's when they went on TV, and you look at the kind of title challenges that um, Adam Cole has gone through. You know, he went through um, guys like Finn Balor, Matt Riddle, on random episodes of NXT, and it's like, no, this doesn't work. Um, you know, it's just kind of hot shot in a lot of things. Like now they've got the winner takes all stuff. And now you're thinking, right, we're probably just going to get matches for this great American bash just coming out on Twitter because there's been nothing really built. Um, what's happening in the tag team picture? No one knows. Um, you know, there's a four-way match for the number one contender for the women's title. And it's like, I didn't, it's just, yeah, it's just, I, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I'm more kind of focused on your product and, you know, let what happens with the ratings happen. Um but I obviously realize that's kind of idealistic. Um, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's fair though too, man. Like it's, uh, it was just so out of nowhere. Like I laughed out loud when I read it. And I, I, don't, I don't think I should be laughing out loud at announcements because it's just, it was just so on the nose. But I, I think you've got it right in the sense that it, 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 things need build in wrestling. Things need build. I think we're all aware of that and how important it is to to get fans invested. You know, I, I will watch most pay-per-views because I'm just that kind of a fan, but I would much rather watch a pay-per-view that I was truly invested in and truly excited about. Of course I would. You know, that just, uh, that just stands to reason. And I find that sometimes WWE, uh, they do, they, they, they rush it when there's no need, when we could actually slow stuff down and probably you know, probably get more out of it. And I think this is a, an absolute, I mean, perfect example of that. And now whatever they're going to do may, again, it may, it may steer them away from whatever the, ever the plan was. And maybe that plan was great. You know, we're never, we're never going to know. And I think that's the issue. If you don't plan things and you kind of rush them, they're never going to be as good as when you sit down. And that's what NXT was meant to be, right? Like old school, long-term storytelling. And you have to, because I mean, the thing that really annoyed me recently, annoyed's too strong, but the, the Charlotte Flair, Triple H saying, oh, she won the title for this, let the story play out. And now she's not even on the show anymore. I'm like, so we just sacrificed Rhea Ripley for no reason. Like, it's just, it was just so weird. I don't get it. I do not get it. It's like a lot of things where it's just like logic has kind of gone out the window. Um that Charlotte one, especially, I thought, oh, when Charlotte won the Rumble, I was like, oh, here we go again, because I thought Shayna Baszler should have won it. Yeah, um, I agree. 
And Charlotte won it, and people are like, okay, calm down. He could be for the NXT title. He could put Rhea Ripley over. That'll be great. I was like, okay, good. I mean, look at that. I think of that NXT episode where she kind of um, took the title from Shayna. I was like, okay, we just need to kind of put her over now. After that and Survivor Series and stuff, just get her to beat Charlotte. And, you know, we really kind of put her over. And then Charlotte wins. I say, okay, fine. We could tell a good story here. Charlotte's on top of the division. Everyone's struggling to get to her. Yep. Some babyface comes up, eventually topples her. Makes sense. And then, you know, we have it in a triple threat match. Charlotte doesn't get pinned. So it's like we're trying to protect her. And then she's off the show. You know, it, it would have made sense if at least the program became Io Shirai and Charlotte. But Charlotte's off and straight into the title picture with Asuka on Raw. And you're like, what? what is the booking here? You know, it's just, I don't know. NXT has just really kind of changed. It's just kind of become almost like two weekly booking. And just, you know, worry about the next two weeks. And then after that, I look at the title picture just now. So we've got Keith Lee going up against Adam Cole, which will probably be the main event of this great American bash. Um, and I don't see a winner there because they've already kind of set up carrying cross waiting for uh, going after Adam Cole. So it, it's just, I don't know, it kind of just boggles my mind because I'm, I love being able to, one of my favorite things in wrestling, right, is to see someone kind of rise up the ranks and, you know, it gets to the point where, I'm sitting there watching. Then they get the title shot and they win. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But right now, it's just a bit all over the place because, you know, all the title pictures are just yeah, very, very muddy. And do you think that is literally because, well, twofold. AEW obviously came along and that completely changed the, the foundation of what NXT was meant to be. But do you think now we're kind of jumping into that? Because I would say it's increased over the last couple of weeks, which does tie into these rumors that Vince McMahon is, you know, he's now interested in NXT because he doesn't want to lose the, he doesn't want to lose the ratings battle anymore. Do you think that's where the correlation comes and they've just kind of forgotten what NXT was meant to be? Yeah, I think, I think we've definitely got that. I think, I think it's not, we're not, a long way away from, uh, I'm kind of cross my fingers on this, but not a long way from seeing Baron Corbin on NXT. <laughs> That's great. Well, those things are going. I honestly, um, we're not a long way in my opinion, just because I don't know. It's just it's not it's not what it used to be. You know, my friends, I I was late on the NXT bandwagon, and I had my friends always banging on to me about you know Sami Zayn, Finn Balor back then, Samoa Joe. Um, all these guys doing amazing things in NXT. I, I mean, I was kind of, I kind of dragged my feet on it because I'd see them come up to the main roster and do nothing. And <laughs> so when I eventually got into NXT, I was like, okay, this is really good. Um, these guys are fun. Um, the booking makes sense. The matches are absolutely insane. And then now it's just, it's just like two products halfway. I mean, look at the storyline with El Hio del Fantasma. I was trying to wrap my head around that for a week because now he's got what Mendoza and Wild next to him. And I'm like, who kidnapped them? <laughs> yeah, he kidnapped himself apparently. It's like it's like it's just like I don't I don't know. Like two guys kidnapped Raul Mendoza and two guys kidnapped Joking Wild. And both of them kind of revealed themselves as the kidnappers. I'm like, what am I watching here? <laughs> it's true yeah. i can't argue it and that's so odd because that's raw booking what? that's smackdown booking nxt used to be rock solid when it came to those kind of stories it was just baffling and then <laughs> the name they gave <laughs> what's his name <laughs> i think i think it was michael sidrick who said uh, on twitter that might as well call him drugs mcdela yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that 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 never surprises me in <laughs> wwe I, I know it sounds bad but i'm almost immune to it they are so stereotypical heavy that it, do you know what i mean exactly like if, if they have an irish guy if they called him like you know guinness mcbeer i'd be like yeah of course you did uh, of, of course that's what you came up with because that's what you do that's what you do you don't it's just uh, that is the one thing i can't believe that they haven't shed all these years later and it's why you know sometimes i get people asking me you know do you you know, do you think we should have more, you know, homosexual characters or more uh, trans characters? I'm like, not in WWE, 
because they'll treat it so heavy handedly that we won't like it and we'll and we'll be offended. And I don't need that in my life. They should be doing it. It's that you need a diverse range of characters. But again, look what they did with the. Do you, do you remember, did you ever see Billy and Chuck? Do you know about this tag team? Uh, I know them from like the video games, but I can't really. Yeah. On TV. Uh, it was. I mean, I know it was a different era, but there's still no excuse. It was WWE's attempt at doing a. Uh, a homosexual angle. It was all, it's awful. It's one of the worst things you'll ever see in your entire life. It's offensive I mean, to anybody that consider themselves gay. I mean, we watched the Liv Morgan stuff. What was? Did you read the rumors about that the other day? That the only reason she was put in that spot was because Paul Heyman needed to get her back on television. So he used that as an avenue, and yet there was no plan to actually do anything with it. I'm like, what? What? What is? I mean, I hope that's not true. No one's no one's confirmed that. But I mean, it makes sense, right? Because what has Liv Morgan done since then? Liv Morgan is one of those characters. It happens every now and then. I don't know why I like Liv Morgan, but I do. I just, yeah. I just something about her. I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 in, I'm happy to watch your matches. I'm interested to see where your character goes. Oddly, Ruby Riot's another one. I don't know why. There's just a maybe that's why they have a chemistry. And yet, what do they do? Nothing. Liv Morgan does all these weird tweets. And then she loses matches on television. Natalia's just teamed up with Lana. I mean, this is all so weird. I don't know how I'm meant to keep up with this. Honestly, I had a rant about um, Liv Morgan on Twitter the other day because because around um, WrestleMania time, I could see, okay, we've moved past this Lana stuff. She, they're clearly building her for something. She was on an insane winning streak, beat Natalia at WrestleMania in the kickoff show, I guess, but um, on a really good winning streak. And then she lost to Charlotte. I was like, okay, what are we doing here? And then she's off TV. Then two weeks of vignettes, one of them saying she's her mother's daughter. I was like, I thought that was already the case, but okay, guess I needed a vignette to remind me. <laughs> um, and it's like, and then she's back. She's losing in a tag team to, to the Iconics. And it's like, I could have believed Liv would be a title challenger if they kept that momentum from WrestleMania. And... I guess whatever has happened, you know, someone was talking to me on Twitter and said, well, she was a Paul Heyman project and that's gone. I was like, it shouldn't work like that. Mm. Like surely one person leaving shouldn't just mean, right, tear everything up and start again. Because it's just like, and, you know, it kind of set me up on a, on a journey almost because I started thinking, right, let's look back at the WrestleMania card and look at what's happened since. And I saw that, for all of the purposes, pretty much almost all the WrestleMania matches didn't mean anything. Bobby Lashley was pretty much squashed. He's just been a number one contender. Alistair Black's not done anything, and he was the one who beat Lashley. Um, Seth Rollins lost to Kevin Owens, who, what? He had a on and off thing with Angel Garza. <laughs> like, you know, like, you look at the booking. Um, what happened was the tag team titles was Street Profits against Garza and Fury. Well, Gaza and Andrade, that's the feud they're just setting up now again. So it's like, you know, it's like for all intents and purposes in the, what, a month, a month and a half, two months, you know, nothing's really mattered in terms of like the booking. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's baffling when you look at it like that. You know, where is Shayna Baszler? Where is Bianca Belair? Oh, you know, man, Bianca Belair makes no sense. The, the thing that really annoys me about Bianca Belair is that there is a perfect storyline waiting for them because now Andrade and Angel Garza are about to feud with the Street Profits and Selena Vega is their manager. So you can just have Bianca Belair manage the Street Profits and they can have a fight. Like, it's just so easy. Exactly. It's so easy. But the problem being that they did that exact same thing in the Raw after WrestleMania yeah. and then they dropped it. It's like... I don't know. Sometimes with WWE, it's just worrying. Like I'm seeing Charlotte on all three shows, and Shayna Baszler can't make TV. I do. Yeah. I, I I can't explain that one, man. And the the thing is as well, there'll be some people that if they vanish, I get it. You know, if they're not clicking or something like that. But you know, with Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler, especially, they have proven that they know what they're doing. There is no reason they shouldn't be on television as much as they possibly can. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. Know. I Hopefully they kind of get back on TV and um, build something. But I kind of see we're getting a Natalia push. So, you know, we'll do with that what we do. <laughs> oh, she's going to turn into a cat, man. She's, she's, she continues <laughs> her evolution to becoming an actual cat. Uh, you mentioned the Keith Lee win earlier because obviously he won the triple threat match, which means, yeah, we're getting some kind of, you know, North American versus, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I don't really know what the plan is. Did it surprise you? It surprised me. I, I had the opinion... Well, it won't be Keith Lee because he's the, you know, he's the United States champion. So we won't do that. North American champion. 
Yeah. So it, the whole winner takes all thing kind of took me by surprise, but I kind of worked myself to think, right, this is how Balor gets the title back. Because ever since he's gone back to NXT, he's been my favorite thing. I've just kind of believed him. Like the promos, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it is probably because he's using kind of dirt sheet talk, talking about uh, <laughs> you're looking for a squash, you're, gonna, you're looking for a push, you're going to end up with a squash and things <laughs> like that. Um, you know, <laughs> um, but you know the feuds he's been in, and it just it's just felt since he got to NXT, he's been a man on a mission, um, and I just felt he was going to be the one to dethrone Adam Cole. Um, got a great story there, you know, the two longest reigning NXT champions. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I was like, okay, so Balor wins this and then goes into that that match. And, you know, we have something great. And then Balor gets pinned by Keith Lee. And the only thing I can kind of pull out from that is that, you know, NXT have gone, right? Keith Lee was really hot at the end of last year. We kind of really cooled him down, just making him the mid-card champion. And let's see if we can kind of heat him up again. But again, I can only see that match ending in a smudge because they're not going to have, like, that having those two separate titles kind of like gives the roster a bit of focus. Like, you know, guys like Cameron Grimes, Damien Priest, you want something for them to be able to kind of aspire towards. They're not quite at the level of the top title yet. And so if you kind of give them to one person, uh, I just, you just kind of convolute things. And like I said, you've got Karrion Cross, who's literally put an hourglass to wait for um, Alan Cole. So it's like, you know, it's going to be, one of those things where I don't know what they're going to book. Are they going to pretend the carrying cross stuff never happened? Um, or are they going to kind of strap the rocket to Keith Lee? You know, I mean, I think Keith Lee is amazing, but, you know, I just don't understand what the kind of plan is, to be honest. I agree with you on Keith Lee. I think that they, I know he's been obviously the mid-card champion, whatever the hell you want to call it, but... He's so good. I keep telling this story every time he every time he comes up. But again, he was working a Defiant show, which was the What Culture affiliated promotion. And I it just you can't see every wrestler, right? And I hadn't I hadn't seen him. And I watched his match. I can't even. He was so good. I don't even remember who he was facing. And he was just a mate for the guy that size. And I was just like, this guy is incredible. How do I not know about this guy? And the more the, I was completely hooked in that match, which is a rarity when you're working a show because you're kind of lost in your own in your own head a little bit. But he was just, yeah, he was just phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I don't, you're right, when he did have all that momentum and the fans were behind him, I didn't really understand why we, I wouldn't say that we let it slide, but I was a little bit like, it doesn't feel like we've grabbed onto it as much as we probably should have done. And the good thing about Keith Lee is that he, he seems so grounded and so well balanced that as soon as he gets his opportunity, he'll he'll run a mile. But I didn't know whether this was a case of, you know, getting the title off him so he moves to Raw or SmackDown. You know, maybe maybe they feel like he could, he could shift in there. I think he certainly, I think he could go anywhere. But to me, he's a top guy, right? He's a world champion. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, he's definitely a top guy in my opinion. I, from what we've seen, you know, Vince kind of likes him. Um, with, you know, the Survivor Series, Royal Rumble and things like that. Yeah. But I don't know, I haven't thought about Keith Lee moving up because as much as possible, I think NXT needs stars, right? We've just they've just lost Matt Riddle. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that can't travel for obvious reasons. Um and you just kinda of need star power in the show, in my opinion. You know, so I've not I wouldn't I'm not gonna say I'd be a bit pissed off if, you know, Keith Lee got pushed to Raw. Just that I don't I don't think it's the right time. I think if he goes in there, he might be kind of lost in the shuffle. Because I like to think about these things like, okay, what's going to be his first feud? You know, you're not going to just send Keith Lee up to, you know, feud with, I don't know, Apollo Crews over the United States title or just feud with Bobby Lashley or something just randomly. Um, I mean, WWE like to do the standard Dolph Ziggler thing. So maybe after he loses to Drew, that would be cool. <laughs> it goes, it goes through Dolph and then he finds his place. That was a weird one, wasn't it? Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre. I kind of justified it in my head because I think it would be such a good match. Like, regardless of what I think about Dolph Ziggler, he is a really good professional wrestler and Drew McIntyre is smashing it right now. But I, I talking about WWE falling into patterns, I am 100% bored of this. I'll kind of have a title shot, please. Of course you can. Like, where's my story? I Hon thought wrestling was about telling stories. Honestly, I am really done with it. Like, how many title feuds have we had that, like that now? It's, it's ridiculous. And the Dolph Ziggler thing, kind of like, 
it brings back bad, mem- bad memories <laughs> because obviously before <laughs> um, Drew had the incredible push before the Royal Rumble and stuff, he was with Dolph Ziggler and they had that breakup. And at that time, so this was uh, 2019 now, I was tipping Drew for the Royal Rumble because he just had an aura about him. You know, he was mm. unbeaten, he was standing up to Braun Strowman, he was beating people oh, left, right, and center. And then they had that breakup angle with Dolph Ziggler and they just kind of went 50-50. And I was like, if he's going 50-50 with Dolph Ziggler, I can't take him seriously anymore. Yeah. And I just I just kind of like lost faith. And after that, he became a heavy for Shane McMahon and you know, all sorts of things. And I was like, all the excitement I had from Drew coming back to, first of all, NXT and then to Raw, I was just kind of petered out. Um, I really liked when they were together as a tag team probably because, you know, they had an insane finisher, that um, zigzag Claymore combination. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't want to see that with the WWE title. I mean, I, it remind, it gives me Kofi Kingston flashbacks of when, you know, Dolph Ziggler came and said it should have been me and all of that. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. I, I didn't, like, <laughs> because, yeah, I hated the feuds that Kofi Kingston got put into, and that was one of them, because that went on for absolute ages. Uh, it was weird, Kofi Kingston, because it was great that he held the championship for so long, but he was never really booked as this super phenomenal, I'm going to kick your ass kind of guy, which I always found strange. It felt like he was not held back, but it felt like when CM Punk was champ back in the day, yeah. he was like kind of at the top, but also not. And you're like, well, why? Why isn't he at the top? He's a champion. Put him at the top. This is okay. I'm happy to accept this, but WWE does odd things. Yeah, it's just, it was just weird. So my brother, like I mentioned again, was a really big fan of the New Day. And so that Kofi Kingston win to be the first, you know, black world champion really meant a lot to both of us. Yeah, of course. My brother actually had his birthday last month. I got him a cameo from Big E for it. Oh, dude, brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely loved it. (laughs) He still replays it till now. Uh, Talking about the power of positivity and things like that. (laughs) So it's like when, when that Kofi title run was um, underwhelming, it kind of really hurt us. Not to mention the fact that I was thrown away just for the Cain Velasquez debacle is why I call it just now, because that was not a run. Uh, whatever Cain Velasquez had at WWE was a mess. And, you know, oh, yeah. like, you just look back at that. But then getting back to Drew and Dolph, like you said, it's going to be a good match. But um, I think with Drew, we want to always give him... You want to give these guys feuds that, same, similar to Braun Strowman, you want to give them feuds that you can feel like it's a world title program. Because right now, like the two top feuds are what? Ziggler and McIntyre. Okay, we've got Braun Strowman and, um, what do you call it, cult leader Bray Wyatt, which is okay. But he's just coming off Miz and Morrison. And it's like the Intercontinental title is probably the best title picture in WWE just now. Because yeah. oh, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Matt Riddle sniffing around. Drew Gulak, you know, like these are just going to be banger matches after banger matches. But then you're looking at the top and you're like, you're going to have Drew and Dolph. Hopefully that's a one and done. Imagine if they 50 50 that. Um, I hope not. Like, if you're going to do that, I'd rather you did it with Bobby Lashley because that was more interesting, right? And I thought they had a great mat- backlash. I don't need Dolph Ziggler to be in the world title picture for that long. I really, really don't. I get bored of that very, very quickly. But then again, who are they holding off? I guess Randy Orton. I guess Randy Orton is the next challenge. I guess he beats Big Show at Extreme Rules and then goes after Drew, which I don't mind. I, I think that kind of makes sense with everything that's happening, but yeah. it, it, it still makes this Dolph Ziggler one very, very strange. And um, my friend, just before we do have to wrap up, because that's the fastest hour in the history of all, of all hours, I, ha- <laughs> I have to ask you this, because again, your, your route to professional wrestling is so unique compared to mine. Who's your guy? Yeah. Who's, your, who's your number one wrestler? Who's the dude that kind of was the first one to win you over and you've never forgotten about? So like I said, like when I was really young, I remember, you know, The Rock with all the promos and stuff. But I think my real guy has to be um, John Cena, just yeah. based on my age during that period where, for lack of a better term, the Super Cena era. Um, it was just kind of really nice to, you know, have someone on the top of the card. I just kind of believed him. Um, until now, he's still my guy. Like once Cena is on, I'm watching no matter what. I um, love it. So it's just it's kind of a superhero. Um, obviously, I've got a special place for The Undertaker as well, who I got to meet at the end of last year. Absolutely insane moment. You met The Undertaker? Yeah. He- Dude, why didn't I know that we could have spent the whole hour talking about <laughs> this? What's the headlines? Nah, so he came to a convention here in Edinburgh. At the end of- yeah, he did. I remember, yeah. Um, and, you know, I just saw it on the WWE Twitter. Like, 
Undertaker confirmed for Comic Con in Edinburgh, and I'm like, nah, this is too good to be true. <laughs> and I just here, yeah, just went straight away, grabbed my bank card, I'm getting a ticket. <laughs> and it was really good. I got a picture of him that is, I think, it's still my avatar on Twitter. I'm never changing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of surreal to see someone who I always watched on TV and stuff in the actual flesh. Yeah. And so yeah, that was yeah. I really felt like a kid again. <laughs> did you get to, did you get to talk to him about anything? Um, not much. It was a massive line. Uh, it was just kind of uh, quick, you know. How you doing? Um, you know, thanks for being a fan type of thing. Get a yeah. picture, go. Um, but yeah, that was it. Um, well, you know, that still made my <laughs> made my life. I do. This made my day, and I'm not even involved. Like that's just a cool story. I love stuff like that. Uh, there we go. We'll end on a positive note. We started on an absolutely awful note. We'll end on the best note ever. I like that, man. One day I will do that. Triple H and the Undertaker. These are the last two guys I somehow have to meet. How I'm going to do this, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. All right, I'm rooting for you. Thanks, man. <laughs> thank you, man. Uh, Emmanuel, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I really enjoyed this chat. It was good. All right, awesome. Thanks a lot. No worries. You have to come back on soon. And again, if you want to come on the Patreon, on the Patreon, no, on the podcast, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Don't forget the routine we have. Twitch.tv forward slash Simon Miller 316. YouTube.com. Just search for Simon Miller on YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed because we've got exclusive episodes going up on all three. It's me trying to diversify my portfolio, as they say, as if I know what I'm talking about. But thank you very much for giving me the last 60 minutes of your time. Take care of yourselves. If you are living in the UK, try and stand this heat. I will point out that I'm allowed to moan about it because I like the cold. I like it when it rains. What a miserable person I am. I will talk to you all again very soon.